It's Thursday, May 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Maria Gallagher. Good to see you. Nice to see you too. We've got more specialty retail to talk about. We've got more earnings. But let's start with a reminder that next Monday is Memorial Day. And that means the stock market is closed here in the United States for the holiday. And that means we're off until Tuesday. So plan accordingly, people. Let's start with Okta because shares of Okta are falling 10% this morning. Uh, This is the ID management software business. They said their loss for the current quarter is going to be bigger than they originally thought. And also, the CFO, Michael Corey, is leaving. And unless I'm misreading this, this is a sudden departure, because they have named an interim CFO while they look for a permanent successor. Yeah, so the quarter was pretty good. Their revenue grew 37% to $251 million. Their subscription revenue grew 38%. Their remaining performance obligations were up 52%. They added 650 new customers. Their enterprise customers surpassed 2,000. They closed on an acquisition. So on a financial metric basis, it was a solid quarter. But I think the stepping down of the CFO after about a year um, will, isn't, isn't the best the best idea. People are not happy about it. Yeah, I've said before, if if the CEO leaves suddenly, that's one of those where there's smoke, there, there's probably fire situations. And right after that, in terms, if I'm rank ordering, right after the CFO, it's the CFO. If the CFO leaves suddenly, it immediately inv- invites the question, what's going on? <laughs> um, so, hopefully, nothing really is going on in terms of the business. Maybe it's a clash of personality, something like that. But, you know, the the guidance plus the CFO suddenly walking out the door, I get why the stock is down. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, I think whenever you see that it's sudden and you see they're appointing someone interim, I think that always, you know, kind of raises a lot of red flags for people, yellow flags at a minimum. Um, I would actually, I would flip your order. I get more nervous when a CFO leaves than when a CEO leaves, because a lot of times I think if a CFO leaves, they're the one who is like deep dive looking at those finances. I get more nervous when they, when they depart. Sometimes CEOs leave for uh, various reasons. So yeah, I, I understand why the stock's down. I'm not surprised by it. Um, and so hopefully they can find someone good. And I'm actually more nervous about this acquisition because it was a really big acquisition. It was valued at $6.5 billion, uh, a stock transaction. And a lot of times with acquisitions, when I look at them, I want to see that they're kind of growing that total addressable market. And so from what I can tell, Off Zero does a lot of the same things as Okta. It has a different go-to-market strategy, so it's kind of attacking the same problem at a different angle, which is useful, but I just think a lot of times with acquisitions, I like to see them growing that total addressable market and going into you know new spaces, and that's not really what I saw with this quite large acquisition. So for me, that is something that kind of raised more like yellow flags than, than anything else in the past couple months with Okta. Yeah, and it, it is one of those things where, look, we, you and others have said time and time again that, you know, when it comes to Wall Street analysts, look, they're going to do their job, but in terms of expectations, a company's expectations, the ones that they set, those are more important. And we as investors should hold businesses to the company's expectations, not necessarily that of Wall Street analysts. That said, you just touched on something that I think is important and and shouldn't be overlooked, which is that uh, 
you need to explain things like this. Like it, like it is the responsibility of any company management team that is making any acquisition to lay out for shareholders and the analyst community. This is why we made this. And to your point, like like Okta, they haven't done a great job of that. They they just they haven't fully explained why this is money well spent. Yeah, and especially when you see a big acquisition like that, a one that I have still a good amount of questions about, and then within a month, the CFO who approved this acquisition leaving, that's, that's not the best uh, the best vision from a company, but I will say that it's still um, the like I said, the quarter was still a solid quarter from a financial standpoint, and so I am still interested in the company. But I do think all of those uh, kind of co- combined makes me very not surprised that the stock is selling off. The last question, and then we'll move on. Do you look at are, are there enough good things that you saw in the quarter and with this business overall? Because I mean, we we use Okta at the Motley Fool. It's you know in terms of you know, ID management, um, they do a great job of, with that. Um, it's a, it, from my experience, it's a, it's a very good platform. Do you look at the drop in the stock, and it's decently off of its high for the year, do you look at this as a buying opportunity, or are there enough yellow flags between the CFO leaving and the acquisition they haven't done as good a job of explaining as they could have that you think, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily jump in at this lower price. I think I would um, get a little bit more interested in it. I do think it operates in a really interesting sector. I think it's a really sticky product. It has a good, solid history of you know upselling and cross-selling within customers. I do think it's important to know it's just super richly valued. So, even as it's selling off, it still was... Um, multiple over 40 times last 12 month sales. So it's still a very expensive company, even with this sell off. So I think I would still be interested in it and would want to dig dig a little bit deeper. But uh, yeah, still definitely a, a good amount of questions from me on, on this company. Workday is in the business of HR software. First quarter revenue was higher than expected. They raised guidance, um, but shares of Workday down a little bit this morning. Is this also a, a valuation? Uh, deal, <laughs> like is that like this? This is a good quarter. You know, it's it's sort of the one-two punch of you know, uh, the the revenue looked good. They raised guidance, um, but if the stock is too pricey, I get why it's selling off a little bit. Yeah, it is another one that's pretty pricey. It's I also once again I think that this is a really interesting company. I think it's a sticky product in uh, in a necessary business. Um, uh, Their revenue was up about 15%. There was increased demand across all offerings, specifically their financial offerings saw a lot of momentum um, as, you know, companies prioritize digitization within the office of the CFO and and they need more help in that. Um, Some of their new customers are the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power and Saks Fifth Avenue, which I never thought I would say those two (laughs) right next to each other as customers. Um, And like you said, they raised guidance. And one thing that I think is really important to note is they had a customer satisfaction rating of 97%. So I think that to me shows a really good momentum for the company and um, a good proven strategy of really helping customers and creating this sticky product. But I will say that they are planning to increase their global headcount by more than 2,500 hires in this next upcoming year, which is about an increase of 20%. So they're going to continue to be spending a lot of money in the next couple of years. And I think maybe that is one of the reasons that people were like, oh, well, you're you're still spending a lot of money and you're not growing at you know monumental rates. You're growing 
you know, 15, 17%. Um, so I think that was maybe, maybe one of those reasonings, but it was still a pretty good quarter in my opinion. Who does Workday compete with? So because Workday is usually with U.S. companies that are large, like mid-sized, large, and global enterprise, so usually with about 1,000 to 5,000 employees, over 100 million in revenue. Um, so they have, their competitors are kind of more, are bigger, more legacy. So you'll think about like Oracle, ADP, SAP, um, you know, those types of payroll companies, as opposed to if you think about, you know, Paylocity or Paycom, those are usually in those smaller sectors. So the, this is because they're targeting those bigger companies. They are competing more with those legacy players. Uh, two quick notes before we move on. First, our guest on Motley Fool Money this week is Paul Leinert, a veteran journalist covering the automotive industry for decades. Um, we're going to talk about Ford's new electric F-150. We're going to talk about the latest with Tesla self-driving cars. So, check out Motley Fool Money this week. As always, if you're looking for more stock ideas, you can check out Stock Advisor. It is the flagship investing service here at The Motley Fool. You get stock recommendations every month. You get Best Buys now. You get a lot more than that. You can go to stockideas.fool.com and get a 50% discount. And it's not a Memorial Day weekend sale. I know there are a lot of Memorial Day weekend sales going on. This is just the ongoing. You get a 50% discount at stockideas.fool.com because you're one of the dozens of listeners. Here's what Williams-Sonoma did in its first quarter. Profits were 300% higher than a year ago. Same-store sales were up 40%. They raised guidance. And somehow, despite all of that, shares of Williams-Sonoma down nearly 4% this morning. What? What? <laughs> this is not some hyper-valued software business. <laughs> I know. I was the, of the three. This was the one I was most surprised by. Um, so, like you said, their revenue growth uh, for comparable brands was up forty percent. West Elm was up fifty-one percent. Pottery Barn up forty-one percent. William Sonoma up thirty-five percent. And then Pottery Barn Kids and Teen up uh, almost twenty-eight percent. Their new growth growth initiatives have really outperformed two of those being their outdoor expansion um, with West Elm. Their outdoor furniture business grew 140%. Their Williams-Sonoma home, their outdoor collection grew 200%. And then that uh, business-to-business cross-brand growth was up 165%. And they raised their outlook. So it was a really stellar quarter. I think, to me, what makes the most sense is this is a home sales company and people are saying, you know, as, as the world reopens, what is this going to look like? How much money are people going to spend on the home now that we can go outside again? Uh, but I think they're proving over the past year that, you know, people are moving to the suburbs. People are investing more in their homes as they're working from home. Um, and they're, you know, splurging, spending up a little bit on, on creating that atmosphere. If you're having new gatherings, you're still probably having them at home, a good amount of, of new outdoor gatherings or, you know, um, home cooked meal parties. So I, I think that that might be some of the reasoning you see a lot of these, you know, work from home stocks versus your vaccine plays. They're all, they all shift on different news. So I think it might be that, but it was a really great quarter, really great year for Williams-Sonoma. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'm glad you mentioned all of the brands that they have under the, the Williams-Sonoma corporate parent, because often is the case, and we've seen this in years past with Williams-Sonoma, where one of those brands just wouldn't be doing as well as the others. And, um, you know, that, that to me, as much as anything, is, is what was amazing about this latest quarter for them. It's like, there wasn't really, 
not only was there not a weak spot, there wasn't even really a, like a part of their business that you looked at and thought, ah, boy, they're really lagging. I mean, it was really great across the board. Yeah, I think that's really interesting too. I mean, the the lowest growing is Pottery Barn Kids and Teens, and they even called it out in their conference call that their baby products within that segment are growing over 30%. So they think that's a good growth initiative for them. And so they called out a lot of growth initiatives within their conference call, which I think is always exciting, especially when you look at these types of um, these types of businesses, you're like, oh, well, what, what else can they do? What else can, how else can they grow? And they have a lot of really concrete examples. They talked about their 3D design tool utilization is up 50% and customers who use that tool generate about two times as many sales as the average customer. They really have a leadership within the direct to consumer marketplace um, because they're able to pull back on promotions because they have all in-house designers with really high scale um, kind of creations that are really unique, which is a game changer for their margin. So I think that they're really innovating in a pretty exciting way in this space uh, in a way that I I hadn't thought that they had been. Yeah, it, it, it's not a business that um, on the surface screams innovation. It's like when you're selling furniture and you're selling homewares uh, with the namesake Williams-Sonoma brand, yeah, it, it, it really is pretty incredible. So they've got um, a couple of, of brands that I'd never heard of before. Uh, one is called Mark and Graham. One is called Rejuvenation. But they all seem to, to fit. You know, they, I don't look at any of the sub-brands that they have and think that in terms of what they are selling, they're an outlier to the business. It all sort of you know, makes sense in the same way that you know, tapestry, ha the brands under the tapestry umbrella are all in the same category. Um, so, with that in mind, if you got, let's just say you got a gift card, you get a $100 gift card, and it can be at any one of these, Williams-Sonoma, Pottery Barn, West Elm, Mark and Graham, or I don't know if you're familiar with it, like, if you get, where are you shopping? It's only a hundred dollar gift card because I, you I know can't what, I, get you anything at West Elm. I was gonna, I was gonna say I, you know a hundred dollar gift card at West Elm might get you a lamp, so Maybe. Like, or part of a lamp. So you know, or let's put it this way: you get a uh, it's a um, a fifteen percent off anything you buy, fifteen percent off. Um, I think. Right now, with my life, I would go Williams-Sonoma. I would take the $100 gift card to Williams-Sonoma. I love to cook. I love to bake. I love a new gadget. I would be very excited. I really want to buy a stand mixer, and I don't own one. So I think I would just take it and buy that. But I, ideally, if I got a, a larger gift card, I would go to West Elm. Yeah. And it's, you know this is one of those things that doesn't show up on the balance sheet. But the longer these businesses go, these are all, qual I mean, I, I shouldn't say all because I'm, I'm I literally just learned about Rejuvenation and Mark and Graham this morning. But in terms of Pottery Barn, West Elm, Williams-Sonoma, the brand equity of those three, I mean, they, they, you know what you're getting when you go into any one of them. The quality is high. And that's the sort of thing that only builds over time. I mean, unless they have some sort of horrific product-related scandal at one of them, it just, it just grows over time. Yeah, and it's high quality, and it's high quality in areas people want to invest in. When people go to new homes and they want to invest in new furniture, a lot of times, you know, you're spending up on things like that. If you're getting into a new kitchen and you want to get a new high quality pot and pan set, a good knife set, like you know these brands to go to, and you will pay up for them because you know that they'll come with that quality. And I agree with you. I think that that, that continues to grow over time. 
Maria Gallagher, always great talking to you. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thank you, too. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Tuesday. We'll be right back.